This is day 147 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Isaiah chapters 52 through 56. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we grow nearer and nearer to Christmas, may we understand what it truly means that you have come into the world and that you are God with us. Lord, you have been so good to us throughout all of human history. And then it all leads up to this one singular point, Lord, where you have come to redeem a people for yourself, a people for your own possession that are free from sin and the bondage of Satan. Lord, that you have called us to a higher calling, a higher purpose. May we meet that end. May we pursue righteousness in our days. May we pursue your will over our will. And may you humble our hearts today as we enter into your word. Please bless this reading in Jesus' name. Amen. Awake, awake. Clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion. Clothe yourself in your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come into you. Shake yourselves from the dust. Rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the chains around your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, You were sold for nothing, and you will be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at the first into Egypt to reside there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore... What do I have here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people have been taken away without cause? Again, the Lord declares, Those who rule over them howl, and my name is continually blasphemed all day long. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day I am the one who is speaking, here I am. How lovely on the mountains! are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace, and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation, and says to Zion, Your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices, they shout joyfully together, for they see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. Break forth, shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem, For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch nothing unclean. Go out of the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. But you will not go out in haste nor will you go as fugitives, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations, kings will shut their mouths on account of him. But what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. 
Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was due? His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your husband is your Maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you, like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, 
even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting loving kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony, and your foundations I will lay in sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of crystal, and your entire wall of precious stones. All your sons will be taught of the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be great. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be for me. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work, and I have created the destroyer to ruin. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come in the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you, because of the Lord your God even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Thus says the Lord, Preserve justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness is to be revealed. How blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, and choose what pleases me, and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial, and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give him an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Also, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, every one who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain, and to make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the dispersed of Israel, declares, Yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. All you beasts of the field, all you beasts in the forest, come to eat. His watchmen are blind, all of them know nothing. All of them are mute dogs unable to bark. Dreamers lying down, who love to slumber. And the dogs are greedy, they are not satisfied. And they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each one to his unjust gain to the last one. Come, they say, let us get wine, and let us drink heavily of strong drink. And tomorrow will be like today, only more so. All right, today's reading was fantastic. There's so much to talk about here. It would take me two to three hours to go through just the surface level of it. But let me just briefly go over a few things that really stood out today. So beginning in chapter 52, we begin with verse 7. I want to start there where it says, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, 
who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. This is an important scripture because while this is directly related to those who are in exile at this time will be returning to the land, in the usual fashion that God does things, this is a multi-dimensional, multi-application scripture. This is referring to the actual exile, but this is also referring to us. This is referring to something else that is good news. In the New Testament, this scripture is referenced, and this is in reference to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So this is where we come in. We are the ones who bring good news and announce peace from the mountains. Verse 8, Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices, they shout joyfully together, for they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. This particularly is in reference to those who are in exile that will return to the land. But then, when we have verse 9 and 10, it says, Break forth, shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. Wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Because this is referring to the exile at first, but the Lord's arm has not been bared to all the nations of the world at this point. There are are several civilizations in the world at this time, ancient China, the Central American, North American Indians, so on and so forth, that have never heard this stuff. So is he talking about the present time, or is he talking about a future time? Well, what did the rest of verse 10 say? The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. This is Jesus Christ being referenced here, because this is talking about where we come into play as sharers and spreaders of the gospel. And then he challenges us here. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch nothing unclean. Go out of the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. What do you mean, vessels of the Lord? We're not talking about some physical jars or anything like that. We are the vessels of the Lord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is within us. We are his temple. And so we need to purify ourselves, repent, and return to the Lord. And just like 2 Chronicles 16.9, one of my favorite scriptures, The Lord's looking to and fro across the earth to find someone whose heart is completely his. And that's what we need to be. From verse 13 through all of chapter 53, this is in reference to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In fact, chapter 53 is regularly called the forbidden chapter in the Jewish circles. And if you were paying attention when we read this, you'll understand why. Because when you look at this in comparison to everything that Jesus did in the New Testament, it is very painfully obvious that Jesus is the Messiah that they were looking for. And they are ashamed of themselves because their own people killed their Messiah. 
It had to happen this way on purpose, though. This was the original plan. He was meant to die so that he could satisfy God's wrath on his chosen people. Jesus had to die in order to save the sins of the world. It had to be this way. And yes, were the Jewish people used for this purpose? Yes. And did they not understand who he was when he came? No, they didn't. I can guarantee they would not have killed him if they really understood that he was the Lord in the flesh. But instead, they called him a liar, a blasphemer, a rebel. This is the reason why, most of the time, in Jewish circles, they are not allowed to read this chapter. Or many times, they just completely omit it from the book of Isaiah. Because it is incriminating on them. Wouldn't you agree? We see so many things here that look is so obviously Jesus Christ. All of it is. In the New Testament, this verse is attributed to Isaiah asking God this very question. Lord, who has believed our message? Who's listening? Who's listening, Lord? Who is going to understand what we are saying? Is any of this worth it? And then it's almost as if he responds right to him. He grew up before him like a tender shoot. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. Jesus was not a handsome man. He was probably very average looking. Because the whole point is that it's not about his appearance. Let me be very clear that any depiction of Jesus is sacrilege. Including, especially including, the European-style Catholic Jesus. He doesn't look anything like that. Why? Because, first of all, he's very white. And in this area, everyone was pretty dark. And not only that, but he was from... He was the son of a carpenter, of a man who works with his hands. And he looks so gentle and feminine, and his hands look so delicate... Those are not manly hands. That is not a manly Jesus. My Jesus was a man, and he was a man's man. He was, this is the same God who, who grabbed some cords and swung them around and flipped over tables and had zeal for his father's house and got everybody out of his temple. This is the God that I serve. The one who has no nonsense for sin and for lies and hypocrisy, that is the Jesus that I serve, not some feminine, weak Jesus. So it is very wrong for him to be depicted that way, because that is not the true Jesus. And then we see so much language that is exactly what he went through. He was despised. He was forsaken of men, a man of sorrows. He carried our sorrows. He bore our grief. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his scourging, we are healed. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing to think this was written hundreds of years before Jesus actually came. And it was exactly as it happened. Without even any sort of code, any sort of deeper knowledge of this, it is so plain. That's what I love about this, that some of it you need some, you know, exposition and you need some background and read into the context of things in order to get the full understanding. But 
What I like about this section of scripture is that it is very plain. It's out in the open, extremely obvious. Verse 6, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. There's that ongoing debate as to who did Jesus save on the cross? Did he just save those who are his elect, or did he save the whole world? And the answer is, well, the whole world, because it says here, the iniquity of us all. Now, some people say, well, the us is just the Christians. Salvation is available to all. Let's be very clear about that. It's available to all. However, most will reject it. We, as elect, are given the capacity to love Jesus and to accept his message for what it is. See him for who he really is. But in our natural state, we cannot. So that's one of those mysteries of how God does things that it's hard to explain. But that's the nature of things. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. He purposely did not open his mouth before Pilate. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. It was assigned by the Pharisees of those days. They had to rush and put him in a tomb because it was almost the Sabbath, and they didn't want his dead body out. And we see Joseph of Arimathea give them a family tomb of his, and he was a rich man. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. It's not like he enjoyed it, let's be clear. It's not saying that he enjoyed it, but he was the proper, maybe a better word to say it here is, he was satisfied in doing it. What Jesus did was satisfactory. It was the only perfect sacrifice that could have happened. Only a perfect man could be the ultimate sacrifice for sin. It had to happen this way, and we cannot stress that enough. Now, it says something very interesting here. It says in verse 10 as well, second half, He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. I don't recall him ever getting married. Did Jesus ever get married? Some outside sources will say that he married Mary Magdalene, but there's no proof of that in the Bible. That is complete fabrication. We are his offspring, the ones who are saved by his grace. Chapter 54 is a great explanation of God's salvation and his mercy on us. It is so beautiful. Some of the scripture is so memorable. Here's some very strong language, and this is this is the proper understanding that we should have. When we are saved, we are this person in verse 4. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected. 
when we are purchased by the blood of Christ, just in the same way that God purchased Israel out of Egypt, we enter into a covenant with him. And that new covenant with Jesus is in his blood. And what that new covenant is, is that there was a ransom that was paid on the cross. The price was his life and his blood being spilt for the entire world. But in doing so, those that he redeemed are now literally owned by him. Again, Hosea is a beautiful illustration of this, but it's that understanding that we go from one master to another. From the moment we're born, we are born in a sinful nature. Therefore, our natural master is Satan. But when Jesus saves us from our sins and we are offered salvation, we become his slaves. We are God's children, but we are also slaves of Christ. So if there's anywhere in the Bible that says bond servant, that is actually something that was put in there to be politically correct. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. Many times in the New Testament, if you see the word bond servant, in the original Greek, the word is doulos, which is slave. A bondservant and a slave are completely different things. I think what a lot of the English writers were trying to do was to eliminate any offensive nature in the use of the language, especially with our um, national history and the mistakes that we've made in the past with African slaves and so on and so forth. I think they wanted to not be so offensive and abrasive with that, but in the same time, they watered down the gospel. They watered down what significance there is in our relationship with God, and it's wrong. Yes, what we did was wrong in the past, but it's in the past now, and let's leave it there where it belongs. Let's move forward. We are God's slaves. He owns us, and therefore we serve him in every capacity. And in that same relationship, though, we are also entered into what's called the Bride of Christ, which is his church. And if we are the bride, then the husband is Christ himself. And so we have that not only servant-master relationship, but we also have a spousal love covenant relationship with God. Not in a sexual, weird way, but one that you're fully devoted to him, in all things. You set your ego aside and you pursue his love and his righteousness, and it is satisfactory. In chapter 54 as well, God promises twice here that he will deliver and rescue his people. You see that in verses 7 and 8. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you. So that's the first time. Everlasting kindness. And the second thing is verse 10. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. He promises to give you his loving kindness, and he promises to never take it away no matter what. How beautiful is that? If we are obedient to Christ, 
then he promises to take care of us. Like he says in verse 17, verse 16 is describing how he's making a weapon, like a smith. And the weapon is us, because he is sanctifying us. He's in, we're in the process of being made holy, and that requires training. That's why we're here, reading this together, equipping the saints. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. You will condemn them. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me. Vengeance is the Lord's, but at the end, we will be judging people. We will be judging angels, it says elsewhere, in the heavenly realms. So we have a very interesting role to play in the next life. So I'm looking forward to that very much. Chapter 55 is a beautiful illustration about God's offer of salvation to us. Whoever is thirsty, come to the waters. You see the same kind of language that Jesus uses with the Samaritan woman. He's like, I offer living water. We'll never get thirsty again. You who have no money, come and buy. Doesn't make any sense, right? Buy wine and milk without money and without cost? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. He's calling himself this. This is his salvation. It's free. It's available. doesn't cost you anything except your life. And it is everything you'll ever need, and you will be completely satisfied. He calls us a people. He calls us a nation that we do not know. We are now in our citizenship of heaven. And then it says in verse 6 that there is a time limit to this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. There will be a time where it will be too late. We don't know when that is. So while we're here, let's make the best of it. Let the wicked forsake his way. Repent. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God and he, for he will abundantly pardon. There's no amount or darkness of sin that cannot be forgiven. The worst offense can be forgiven easily by God. Why? Because verse 8, you don't understand how I do things, because I am way beyond you. My thoughts are above your thoughts. My ways are above your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, which is beyond comprehension, that's how much ahead of you I am. That's how far beyond you I am. Just like I have rain and snow water the earth before the, the water cycle repeats itself, my word also departs from my mouth, and it will, with complete certainty, with absolute confidence, will do what I say it will. Nothing I say will fail. Every word that comes out of my mouth will not come back to me empty-handed. How beautiful is that illustration. This is the God that we serve. Cannot be stopped. And then we see in chapter 56, we see how salvation is offered to the Gentiles. How very interesting that is, because the Jews seemed to miss that piece when Jesus was here. But this is all about how the Gentiles are included into this family. Because it says here, like in the end of verse 7, 
My house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares, Yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. So he's lumping in the Gentiles as well. And there are, in the earlier verses, blessings if you are one of those. And then the last verses of this chapter are showing if you refuse salvation, which you really can't, but if salvation is not available to you and you forsake the Lord, then something happens and it's not good. Such beautiful scripture we read today. I highly recommend reading it again. It is so worth looking over. But as for now, that's all that I have. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.